Welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And uh, we're in Revelation 7, which is the most Revelation-y number of all, so it's got to be good. Just episode 743. No, no, not 777, yet. 777, oh, Casey. Yeah, get it right. All right, so let me read our first paragraph. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. All right. What's your question? <laughs> 144,000? Doesn't that mean that's how many people are going to make it into heaven? Nope. <laughs> As with many numbers in the Bible, symbolism. Uh, in this case, actually, 144. We, we haven't quite come across that number yet in Revelation or elsewhere in the Bible. Um, but we did just play a game on the Jackson Cloud called Nerdle. Mm -hmm. What is our math equation to get 144,000? Just like we had to find our math equation for Nerdle. 1,200 times 1,200, I think. 1,200 times 1,200? Is that 144,000? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Let's find out. 1,200 times 1,200. It'd be... That's 1,444,000. Uh, one extra zero. So 1,200 times, times 120. 120. 12, 1,200 times, times 120. 120. Okay. So that would be 144,000. Is that the math equation we're looking for? Uh, I have no idea what those numbers have to do with anything. Well, so it's going to go on we're to keep going with the numbers. Wait! 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, from Reuben, from Gad. So 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, So 12,000 12, times, times 12. 12. Yep. And that is where we get our 144,000 from. You right? keep doing it wrong. 12,000. 12,000 12, 12, times, times 12, 12 is 144,000. Um... So, yeah, or another way that we could look at it, too, could be 12 times 12 times 1,000, which would then be um, God's people multiplied by itself and then by the number of completeness. That's the way that Gordon D. Fee would go. But nonetheless, it's not like, uh, like Olivia kind of joked at the beginning, like God's only letting 144,000 people into heaven, and that's kind of the end of it. There are some sects or religions that have some really weird rules on this particular thing which makes yeah. no sense because all the numbers throughout revelation are highly symbolic i don't know why people get so stuck on this one yeah three is never sense. literal yeah or seven usually is always you know you know the joke was that three is actually literal because the trinity is literally three well okay Sure. Yeah. All right. It, it, it can be literal. I know. I was just. I was just making a joke. One hundred forty-four thousand is a weird number to get hung up on and build all of your theology, especially when so much of Revelation is using numbers for symbolic 
and important symbolic reasons. I have a question. Yeah. Why are they being sealed on their foreheads? That's a great question. Yeah, so um, we've done an episode on seals. So let's... <laughs> Let's start there, and you can go back and watch our episode on on seals because there's this whole there's this whole like all these different seals being open. Um, so first off, before we did all those seals, we just talked about like what is the significance of a seal, and if we can remember that far back, do you guys remember like any like important points to seals? Nope. Nope. <laughs> too many episodes ago. Too many episodes ago. I don't remember. Good, it's all sinking in just as I planned. Uh, seals were like put on scrolls that kind of marked a certain... Oh no, I remember of, that part. Yeah, but it marked like a certain kind of authority. It carried like your emblem. Uh, it helped that when you delivered it. So wait, it wasn't because tampered only with. Jesus could break the seals. Only Jesus can break the 144,000. So wait, that mean they're going to pour wax on our foreheads and put a stamp with it? Well, where else no, do you have... sealing with oil. doesn't say that. It doesn't say that? <laughs> no, You're so... right, it doesn't say that. I assumed. <laughs> no, uh, at this point I'm thinking... The orthodox. Candle hot there. wax being like pumped, like stamped well, on the, the forehead. Thing. Here's the thing. An orthodoxy. Hang on, okay, hang on, hang on, hang uh -huh, on. Uh -huh. There's this... Yeah, yeah. Good, unction. Good. Conjunction, I conjunction, what's the function? I am so good at speaking. Wow. Um, there's an unction service in which all the members of the church have their foreheads sealed with oil, as well as, I think, the palms, as well as when you're chrismated into the Orthodox Church. Not you, cremated, let's be clear. <laughs> not cremated. Two very different Chrismated. Things. Very different things. You get sealed with oil. And the sealing is that you're getting the Holy Spirit sealed inside of you. But you get sealed with oil on your forehead, on your palms, on your high chest, and on your feet. As well as like your ears, eyes, mouth. There's a lot of sealing of oil. Is the point here but importantly it's sealed on your forehead as well so that's probably the kind of seal we're talking about here not wax seals well there was some religious branding on the forehead and head that was known back in like... branding like with hot iron or <laughs> so like bullseye from marvel Having the, the bullseye like branded into his forehead. I don't have a specific explanation as to how they yeah. branded it, uh, but there was like a, a religious branding practice known in Hellenism um, of some sort. So it's possible that it's like that. But um, when we look at this passage show up again, we're going to see uh, in Revelation 9 4, God's going to say, Don't uh, harm those who have the seal on their head. Uh, Revelation. 14.1, um, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see on Mount Zion, there's the lamb, and with him the 144,000, symbolic number, of those who have his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So what is the seal? To some extent, it's God's name upon us, 
Uh, there's even a point where Jesus said, I will give them a name, right? This was, remember back in the letters to the churches, uh, Jesus at the end of like every church would say, I'm going to give you, um, you're going to be a conqueror. You'll sit where I sit. You're going to this, you're going to that. There was one where Jesus said, I'll give a white stone with a new name written on that stone, except no one, uh, that no one knows except the one who receives it. Um, so that was so an that example. So that stone is what they're going to use for the branding. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think we're back to symbolism again. <laughs> um, but uh, that right there is a... There's another church. He said, uh, never shall... I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes out of God. Uh, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. So Jesus, like, along all the lists of things that you get in the new creation that Jesus promises each church, like, something that is promised to all Christians, uh, there was always this, you get my name. And now we see the name teaming up with a seal, and seals carry authority, right? Only Jesus could break these seals. And But now the seal of Jesus is kind of, like, put right on your, your forehead, uh, so now you're being sealed. You're under his authority. You belong with him. Jesus is the only one who can crack your skull open. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just like he opens the scrolls. Uh, but seals, like, you've been branded. You have the mark of Jesus. Now, um, that should stand out in another way. Because there's this should be the mark that we're really focused on. I mean, it just came up in, like, five, six different passages. The seal that's put upon us or the name that's put upon us right but usually we focus on a different kind of seal in revelation the mark of the beast the mark of the beast which is uh put on forehead i think right uh I think so. yeah let's go ahead and find it in revelation 13 you've got the beast uh and uh they're marked on the right hand or the forehead. Mm -hmm. um, so right there, you, you've got, you now have the mark of the beast versus the seal of God, right? Mm -hmm. And it's more or less like, who, who do you belong with as this apocalypse is coming about and God is, if you will, separating the, uh, the goats from the sheep, right? Um, who is your God? Are you with Jesus, and have you been sealed under his name, the one true God, the one true king, the one who will last on into the new age, or are you marked, sealed, like a false sealing, right? Uh, are you marked with the mark of the beast, which, oh, no, I don't follow the beast. I follow this God or that God or that God. Well, from God's standpoint, from Revelation's standpoint, from Jesus' standpoint, you're either with him or you're with the false kingdom and all of it, be it spiritual or physical, all of that falls under the mark of the beast. Um, so you can't just be like, well, no, I don't follow Satan. I follow this over there. <laughs> for, for God's perspective, it's like, no, that all of that belongs with Satan under his kingdom. So Jesus, for example, said um, that uh, uh, hell had been created for Satan and his angels. So the idea was like anything that belongs with the kingdom of Satan, any spiritual being or whatever, like that's that's all this the same kind of kingdom. 
And that kingdom doesn't go into the next age, so that kingdom will expire and be thrown into the lake of fire. And I think you could take Jesus' statement maybe a step further, if you will, like if Jesus is saying hell was made for Satan and his angels, like ideally no humans would go there. But if we're going to live in Satan's kingdom, we'll get assigned to the same kind of place at that dividing between sheep and sheep and goats, if you will. Is this making sense in my yeah on a <laughs> on a, the right trajectory here? Yeah. So you've got the mark versus the seal, mm-hmm. um, and people people love to focus on the mark for some reason, <laughs> but the seal is like the more beautiful one. Like this is the one that we're offering in evangelism when we're doing that. Like come and come and have the mark of Jesus upon your life. Come and fall under His authority. And if you're going to carry that mark, you're going to have to live by his authority. If you're going to carry that mark, then you can't also simultaneously wear the mark of the beast. You're going to have to choose one or the other. Because the other has a destination that is not compatible um, with the seal, right? So with all that being said, uh, the seal actually becomes like highly significant right here. Yeah. Is there anything else in Revelation 7 in that first paragraph that caught your attention that you want to hop into or the other things are like angelic stuff going on you got four angels standing at the corners of the earth holding back the winds <laughs> um, that sounds strange to us but remember their cosmology is different the world's a little more flat um, and but we also but even then it wouldn't be like four quarters or mm-hmm. four corners because like Round. Think of a map, Casey. Their picture that they have of the Earth is a piece of paper with things drawn on it. So to them... I don't letters. remember when it shifted to, but it's possible that by this time they really do have more of a spherical idea of the planet. But John works with old cosmology throughout this whole thing. Even if John believed that cosmology had changed for the sake of continuing to like use all these bible references he he often gets into old cosmology um we we did talk about in previous episodes the four horsemen right they represented back in what ezekiel like they were like uh they kind of felt like a compass of the four corners of the earth right north south east west so maybe john's pulling from that that like there's this idea that there's four angels at the corners of the earth, um, that there's something between them and the four horsemen. Maybe it's a little confusing because John just used the four horsemen in a very different way than he does right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he talks about the angel ascending from the rising of the sun. That's the one that puts the seal on our heads. So, Jesus. Would you go Jesus right here? Jesus. What makes you go that route? Because Jesus is the rising of the sun. How so? Um, <laughs> Behold the rising sun. No, you're too young. Right, sorry. You've never played a Casio keyboard on the demo mode? What's a Casio keyboard? <laughs> oh my gosh, forget it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, okay, so Olivia jumped straight into Jesus there. I see an angel ascending from the rising of the sun. Some people are just going to go, Rado is just some random angel. What makes you go the Jesus route? Well, because this angel has the power to give us the seal. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
which to me also suggests that it's going to be someone very important. Mm -hmm. But also, um, there is some... Sometimes Jesus is pictured as the sun um, in some like orthodox beliefs. Uh, you know what? Now that you say it like that, I'm wondering at the end of this whole thing, like the world is lit up, right? Uh, the Lord God is everybody's light. It's no need of a light or lamp or sun. Because you have God just being the light for us. No need for sun or moon to shine on us. The glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the lamb. I saw an angel standing in the sun. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, if you wanted to try to make the illusion that like God's so bright. <laughs> by the end that the sun God, uh, not the sun God. But the son who, <laughs> who is Jesus has come to earth. Uh, but speaking of sun gods, if you will, remember in ancient times, hang on, before you write me up. Remember in ancient times, like the Hebrews would be living uh, in a Greek society and the Greeks are going to like mm -hmm. more or less like, yeah, the sun god, you know, whatever. Apollo. Apollo, yeah. yeah. So for them, if they if they live in a society where people say that, that right there is a god. What what do you think they're going to do instead? Well, technically, Apollo didn't actually was not the sun. He pulled the sun with his chariot every yeah. day. And okay. Yeah. Well, for them though, um, there's kind of two routes you go. Either no, that's just a burning ball of gas, you know, or they could say, well, no, that's not a god. That's just an angelic being. I mean, that could be another route that they could possibly go. Because we've done all these episodes where they do say that the stars are, are right. spiritual beings. Would they do the same for the sun? That might be a question. Because to them, the sun and stars look very different from each other. You know, <laughs> They're not quite aware that these are the, the same things, probably. I mean, even the other question is, is there any holdover from Egypt where Ra is considered the sun god? Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but you would have, I've got one commentary here, what say Jewish people naturally modified the sun god into an angel. Um, but any angel that would rise in the orbit of the sun would have been recognized as superior to the greatest of kings of the earth. So clearly if they were saying like, this is an angelic being, it's not just any old angel, like, yo, you at the bottom of the chain, I delegate you, go seal off people's heads. Like... <laughs> Like, uh, um, like the, um, the marking of the beast. No. <laughs> like the marking of the doorway. What? What? <laughs> no. I don't get where uh, you're going with this. I don't know. I lost my train of thought in the midst of it. Um, but it wouldn't just be, we went the Jesus route. Now we've gone the angelic route, but we wouldn't go bottom of the angelic route because if this is supposed to be an angel that represents the sun, it's clearly been like a, an angel that's already been delegated quite a task, <laughs> right? Like it's, right. it's up there because it's the sun. Um, but there is possibility that we can go the Jesus route too. You said that you've already seen that kind of pictured in orthodoxy. And we already, just in 
Christianity in general kind of have like the light versus darkness type thing going on. Uh, but it's possible that John's drawing some specific words to make us think of Jesus. Um, because we have that the sun's rising in the east. Uh, here, let me quote from, I think it's Craig Forster. The expression for east here is literally the rising of the sun. Patristic and medieval interpreters notice, uh, noted the word for east or rising appeared in passages referring to the Messiah. And that Jesus had risen from the dead. So it could be like a resurrection kind of idea. So they identify this angel as Christ. More recently, though, so this comes out of the medieval period, more recently, some propose the East recalls the location of Eden and the direction from which God and the Messiah, or Son of Righteousness, were to come. So Genesis 2.8 is where we have the gardens uh, planted in the East, right? So new creation, you can think of like Eden's returning. That is a part of Revelation. Uh, Ezekiel, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the East, uh, so you've got uh, that there. Malachi 4.2, um, the sun of righteousness, and that's S-U-N, so like that kind of sun. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. That kind of has some uh, resurrection overtones or, um, you know, something like that. So if these verses could be compiled in such a way, it could be like, John could be taking some old prophecies, throwing them in the blender like he always does, and coming out with uh, Jesus as like the resurrected, rising son of the east of the Garden of Eden type themes, right? So you could go that route too. Uh, this particular commentary says, it seems unlikely since God's foes also come from the east. That's going to happen in Revelation 16, where the foes come from the east. But I don't know. I think... I think there could be some merit to that proposal. So, hey, that's uh, that's something we're going to continue to see as we go throughout Revelation. There's going to be some other angels we bump into, and we're going to ask again: Is this Jesus, or is this just an angel? Because John, you seem to have made it confusing, <laughs> and uh, this is going to take us back into one of our earliest episodes in Revelation. Seems to have made it, or made it. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our earliest episodes in Revelation, though, we asked that question. Is Jesus supposed to be the angel of the Lord who was like the Jesus of the Old Testament? And is John trying to picture Jesus in Revelation like the angel of the Lord? The answer sometimes seems yes. And that then becomes a question for this particular passage. Is this sun that is the angel that is rising, is that just supposed to be a general angel or is John playing off of some of those like Jesus as a divine being angelic angel of the Lord type thing maybe maybe Olivia voted yes Casey was asleep for most of it no and, uh... again <laughs> no it was more of I mean I would say yes in this case he is more like the angel of the Lord but Phrasing just to me is just leaves a little bit of extra room that is weird. Yeah, I mean, all we have is I saw another angel, and that idea of another could make us think like it's not Jesus. Like, I'm okay with it being Jesus, but I feel like there's enough wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would feel the same. Like, could you find ways to say that this is Jesus? Yes. 
would that seem blasphemous? I don't think so. Because, like, this is another thing we mentioned in our episode about why it gets so confusing with Jesus. Uh, the angels that seem to be delegated tasks seem to be so faithful to doing what Jesus tells them that it's like, well, was that Jesus or no? <laughs> well, maybe it was just a really faithful angel, you know, <laughs> that is doing so much what Jesus told him to do that you're like, wait, I thought Jesus did that thing. Well, maybe, maybe they're just faithful. You ever think of that? <laughs> Same with humans, right? Well, when we go in <laughs> and we go and we love on the poor, like people should see Jesus in us. And they shouldn't be like, wow, you're Jesus. But they should be like, I just saw Jesus in front of me through your actions. Which is what Jesus said himself, right? You take care of the poor, you take care of me. Like, well, okay, that's opposite because the poor is... <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Okay, you get, you get my point. Anyways, uh, yeah, there's a lot of confusing stuff going on throughout Revelation, as always. If you kind of want to feel like you're diving deeper into the conversation we had today, go back some episodes to the beginning and uh, kind of join us on that journey to try to comprehend and understand this book a little better. I like how he says some episodes because he's not exactly sure how many episodes we're in the 40s. It's fine. Uh, So with that being said, Revelation 7, we are actually going to skip this whole part. Some of you know, if you've done a lot of study of Revelation, uh, there is Dan, one of the tribes of of Israel, is missing from the list. (laughs) Right? And I think we brought this up before. Yes, and that's why we're going to skip it. But if you go to our Revelation playlist on YouTube, you will see an episode about Dan that will stick in there next uh, that we're pulling straight out of our Genesis series where we already address this. And we'll, we'll note a few things in there that Judah is mentioned first instead of where he actually belongs and then the people that replace Dan and, and things like that. Um, the short of it is uh, Jacob prophesied that Dan was going to be unpleasant in such a way that John seems to have taken it to say uh, Dan belongs with the beast, like it's an antichrist within within Israel type thing. Um, and that's just based off of what Jacob did uh, with a prophecy over him. So that's the short of it. But if you really want to try to understand that better, go watch the episode and you can learn more. In the meantime, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below. And occasionally we go live. So turn on that notification bell. And occasionally we go live five times a day. Right? <laughs> In and, a uh, row. And that way you can join us and join our discussion live. Yes. And we will catch you there five times. <laughs>